Hello and welcome to a Tuesday, January 3rd edition of the Sports Ethos NBA DFS Today podcast. I'm your host, Haris Kermani, and Happy New Year to everyone that is out there, all the Sports Ethos listeners. Love having you guys around. It's been an amazing year as far as 2022 is concerned in terms of all that we're doing on Sports Ethos itself, and we're really looking forward to keeping that up going into the new year. And for those who haven't had a chance to do it as of yet, definitely get yourself on to sportsethos.com. Get yourself subscribed to that DFS pass where you can get the latest updates, the latest injury report, access to our Discord to be able to ask the pros all the way up until lineup lock to give yourself the best chance and the most up-to-date information as it happens all the way through. You've got everyone on your side on the Sports Ethos you want to get yourself on that ASAP. But speaking of getting on that, we have a three-game slate to be able to take on this Tuesday night. Three games, all of which are pretty high as far as overall points totals are concerned. Should be some pretty high-paced games. Not necessarily the closest as far as point spreads are concerned, but as we've always spoken about in the past, point spreads are always to be taken with a grain of salt just given how games find themselves playing but let's get right into it the first game of the night the Boston Celtics going into Oklahoma to take on the Oklahoma City Thunder and this is looking at a 235 and a half game with the Boston Celtics favored to win this by eight and a half now looking at this game first and foremost I'm gonna tell you right here that there are guys in the later games as far as studs and as far as some of those higher mid-tier options that I'm looking at that have a good bit more upside in my opinion just based on matchups than where I've been looking here so from this matchups exposure I've been looking more in the value side of things and as far as Boston themselves are concerned the only real injury that they may potentially be dealing with and it's not even an injury it's more about injury management is Robert Williams who is questionable for this game while on the OKC side of things uh, it's the usual suspects that we know that are out for a longer period both Pokashevsky, Robinson Earl and a couple of other guys not as important to the rotation itself so pretty well what you're going to be expecting as the main lineups from both sides as far as Boston's concerned Really, I'm looking at that bottom area over there. If Robert Williams is sitting out, I expect Al Horford, who is a who has been playing closer to that 30-minute mark pretty consistently over the last two games, not necessarily offering the greatest of upside. However, sitting at that 4,800 price tag in a matchup where he could be that much more involved in the offense with Robert Williams out, uh, if he can get up to that 10 field goal attempts, which he did get in the last game as well, can get closer to what he usually has which is about you know 45 50 percent on from the field the remainder of his ancillary stats should allow him to be in an opportunity to get anywhere between 5.5 to 6x there so he's the one guy on the boston side that i am potentially looking at and i also have a little bit of a thought of putting malcolm brogdon in there just because i think his price tag at 4800 is a bit lower i expect in this kind of a matchup where again We'll have to see how the actual game script itself works out, but I can foresee Malcolm Brogdon playing a little bit more in this, just given the fact that Boston is likely going to be in a scenario where they're doing pretty well in the game, should not necessarily need to tax out Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown to the extent that they would otherwise need to in a different kind of matchup. So despite OKC being that little bit more pesky at home, I like the fact of taking a GPP 
dart throw at Malcolm Brogdon at 4,800 and seeing if he can get somewhere between 25 to 28 minutes, which we have seen consistently get him into the mid to high 30s as far as DK points are concerned. So a good place to start as far as that side goes. On the OKC side of things, again, looking at that kind of mid-tier, low-value sort of area, Jalen Williams, which is J-A-L-E-N Williams. I know that was asked of me since there are two of them on this team. But the one sitting at 4,900 with the small forward, power forward eligibility has been really consistent as far as his production and his minutes have been concerned for the better pass over the better half of the last week and a half to two weeks here. So uh, for a guy who's sitting at 4,900, hasn't had a real dud of a game for the last week and a half there, the floor is quite secure because his minutes are anywhere from 28 to 32, pretty much game in, game out. And he's starting to get more of those field goal attempts, has gotten to double digit uh, attempts in there four out of the last five games. And Altogether, it just looks a lot more comfortable, especially with his outside shot, where he's had five threes in the last two games, gotten eight attempts up altogether. There's just a lot of opportunity here for an OKC team really starting to build up. And with Pokashevsky going, uh, there has been a little bit more of an opportunity for Jalen to be that much more involved from a pure offense perspective. So I like him, and I like the opportunity for him to be able to take on a Boston team that may be a little less strength strengthened on the front with uh, with Robert Williams potentially sitting out for injury management. So an area to take out. Now, I'll never fault anyone for taking Shea Gilgis-Alexander, but just this isn't, in my opinion, the best matchup for him. Now, he did, for complete record's sake, drop 59 DK points in the previous game in the season over here. But again, for you to be able to chase those kind of box scores, it's a bit tougher for me. I don't necessarily like doing that. I'm looking more at who I think Boston will be throwing out on him and with Marcus Smart being fully healthy over there and Josh Giddy not being that same level of offensive threat that the all-encompassing Shea Gilgis-Alexander is, I just like uh, avoiding him in this matchup and I may actually take a little bit more of Josh Giddy, who himself has been having a bunch of good games now. Four out of his last five games are sitting at 38 and above as far as DK points are concerned. And just for a guy who doesn't necessarily shoot the three very well, but overall is finding more and more ways to get himself in the paint, more open shots in the mid-range to be able to actually get his offense flowing in a more kind of consistent basis here and finding more of his spots where he can be consistently successful. Has gotten 15 field goal attempts in both of his last two games, shooting a little bit above his head, I would say, at about 52% in that time. But we know that his ancillary stats are going to be there and his assists have actually been a little lower than we usually expect in the last two, but still giving him the opportunity to get to close to 40 DK points. So at 6,700, he's probably the one guard in this matchup that I would be targeting outside of Malcolm Brogdon to be able to throw in GPPs and see what kind of damage he can do given his lower price tag and pretty safe floor. Moving on to the second game, which is the Washington and Milwaukee Bucks game. Now, this one we don't actually have a game total for, just given the fact that there are a couple of questionable areas to be able to look at and see if people can actually get themselves back on the floor. First of all, it's Bradley Beal for the Washington side, who is questionable in this game. Uh, Daniel Gafford is also listed questionable coming into this, so that's definitely a wrinkle that you'll want to keep an eye on. And as far as Milwaukee is concerned, we know that uh, both Giannis and Drew Holiday are now listed probable for this game, while Chris Middleton has actually been said that he's going to be missing both games in the back-to-back -back slate that Milwaukee is going to be playing. So starting off with the Washington side over here, really 
the only area of major focus that I have is in that kind of value spot here as well. Uh, Rui Hachimura, who I've been playing pretty consistently over the last couple of games now, uh, just continues to be that much more of a focal point as far as Washington themselves are concerned. He's never been a great ancillary stats guy, so you know, averaging about four and a half rebounds for the season. He's been sitting on about that much, but it's been the field goal attempts and overall efficiency for him that's been more of an eye-opener. And at 4,500, I like that opportunity for him. Again, it's just a safe floor. He's shown upside in two of his last three games, 38 and 40 DK points in that one. And even his down game, quote-unquote, in between, still got you 25 DK points. So for him... 5x being 22 and a half should be in a pretty safe spot to be able to get you that with the upside to do a little bit more again not wanting to box score chase but their last game was against milwaukee as well so it is one of those where you know milwaukee is hosting two games at home against the washington wizards he dropped 38 and a half in that one 11 of 18 from the field and with uh uh, with the Daniel Gafford also listed as questionable on here. If that does happen to be a scenario in which he is going to sit out, then that just gives more opportunities for Hashimura to continue to do well. You do have to keep in mind, though, that Giannis did not play in that last game, and neither did Drew. So with both of them coming back, that obviously changes quite a bit in terms of what uh, Milwaukee's able to throw back at him. But again, they'll likely be focusing that little bit more on Porzingis, Kuzma, uh, those bigger areas of kind of <clears throat> importance as far as their offense is concerned. While Hachimura, hopefully he will still have more of that uh, chance to be kind of you know floating around on the outside. He's been putting up more three-point attempts as well, 10 attempts in the last two games, which is definitely a positive as far as his fantasy outlook is concerned. So and going back, I like him at 4,500, and he's likely the main guy that I'm targeting on the Washington side of things. On the Milwaukee side... Now, this is where we start to talk, talk about who the studs are that we're going to be looking at on a given night. Now, Milwaukee at home, Giannis playing his first game of the new year, 12100 as far as his salary is concerned, up against a pretty pesky Washington team. They've been pretty good, especially at handling some of the uh, some of the different forwards uh, throughout this entire, entire year. But, of course, Giannis is Giannis. He's pretty matchup proof on there. But I do like Washington being able to keep this game potentially closer than it may otherwise look. Even the last one, which was a blowout in the end, obviously given the Milwaukee Bucks' beleaguered lineup, still got the Washington Wizards playing their regular allotment of minutes, and I expect that Milwaukee is going to be needing to do that here as well to really make sure that they go ahead and close this game out on their end. Now again, we don't have the full total and the spread for it as of yet, but I expect that it will be, one, the kind of mid pace as far as the three games that we're having here i expect it to be right in the middle of the three ones that we're looking there but also that milwaukee is probably going to be favored by about six or seven when we get the actual lineups coming there will still be a pretty decent opportunity for Giannis to be able to play anywhere between uh, 30 to 35 minutes in this game which is a great opportunity for him to essentially get his streak going well for those who are keeping track, Giannis in the last two games now has dropped 84 and 81 DK points on there, has definitely been getting in the absolute groove. His rebounding is taking another stride, two straight 20-point rebounding games against 20 rebounding games, that is, against front courts that were actually pretty strong given the state of the rest of the teams that are out there. So for him to have a Washington team against a Christoph Porzingis, who's much less of a rebounder, more kind of sitting out in the in the perimeter area, waiting for those long boards if he gets them, but less of a kind of down low, beat you up and get up there, Giannis should be able to get quite a few rebounds in this game as well to go with everything else. So <clears throat> they'll be 
two studs that I really do like in this lineup, in this entire slate today. Giannis is one of them, and we'll be talking about the other one in the na in the next game. But 12,100, he's going to be in a good bit of my lineups. And secondly, it's going to be Grayson Allen, who just continues to be that important cog as far as the Milwaukee Bucks are concerned in the absence of Chris Middleton. Now, 4,600 is a bit higher than we've been seeing him as of late, but I liked what I saw in the last game over there. He was a little bit more of a distributor, which I expect will go down a little bit with Drew Holiday potentially returning. But I like him more than I like Javon Carter, who's actually 300 bucks more. And Grayson Allen, as long as he's getting his three-point attempts up, put up nine in the last game, two games ago put up 14, and really just continues to be the first guy that they look at outside to be able to shoot as many threes as possible. I think his floor is pretty safe. If he can get his uh, shot going at the level that we have seen for the entire season, which is at about 38%, he could very easily be getting you anywhere between 5.5 to 6x for his price. So good one to be able to look at here. The last game of the night over here is going to be the fastest paced one as well, and the one that I'm most interested in as far as exposure is concerned. That is the Sacramento Kings taking on the Utah Jazz a 243.5 game total, which is definitely one of the higher ones that we've seen as of late. And the Utah Jazz are favored to win by 2.5 on this one. So definitely the likeliest game to be close out of the three as well. Again, don't read too much into it, but I expect that this is going to be a high pace, super, super fantasy-friendly game without having much defense to go with it as well. So lots of guys to potentially like over here. On the Sacramento side of things, though, there are a couple of questionable tags that we'll have to keep an eye on and keep looking at that live injury report for. Uh, first one is Malik Monk, who has uh, some shoulder soreness that he's dealing with as well, while at the same time, Kevin Herter is also dealing with a sore back. So both of those guys are questionable there. If we do see them going out, then we may see the opportunity for someone like Davion Mitchell to go jump back on into the starting lineup over there, maybe get a couple more minutes, play a little bit more of that ball handling role, and then if that happens, and for him, for his 3300 price tag, definitely becomes a guy that I am interested in. But it starts and ends, as always, with Sacramento with the duo of both Sabonis and De'Aaron Fox. And I'm going to say between the two, I definitely like Sabonis more here. And he's, in fact, my favorite stud overall on the uh, on the slate today. He's looked, dare I say it, better since he was out with a uh, an injury where it looked like he might be out for a longer period of time with his thumb. Thankfully, it wasn't a, a a big one. It wasn't a you know massive problem as far as his fracture is concerned. And he has looked excellent in the uh, three games that he's come back since, dropping 56, 52, and 45 DK points in each of those matchups there. And now he's coming up against a front court, which is one of the worst in the league as far as defending big men. We just saw Miami take on Utah a couple of days ago where, where Bam Adebayo had one of his best games of the season in that one as well. And Sabonis, who is very similar in vain in terms of how he's able to go ahead and deal inside the paint. Uh, obviously much more of a assisting big man as well, which 100% will be something that they look at in this game pretty heavily, given the fact that it is going to be a pretty fast-paced one. I expect him to get uh, quite involved with the, uh, with the assist side of things and only getting four in the last one, but he should get back to his normalcy, which he had in the previous game against Utah uh, before the end of last year, where he dropped 52 DK points on there, putting up 28, 11, and 8. So lots of, and lots to like as far as the Sabonis matchup is concerned over here, and he's definitely going to be a guy that I look at pretty heavily. While on the Utah side, 
I'm more interested in kind of that mid-tier. Now, Markkinen, who has 100% been having an incredible season, and I feel like I've been taking it on the chin pretty consistently by not playing him. I'm still not finding too many lineups in which I do like playing him. I think 8,800 is a bit more than I'd like to spend on it. That being said, he has obviously been playing out of his mind throughout of his last four games here has been 50 plus DK points on there and even the last Sacramento game where uh, he dropped 42 DK points it was a 16 of 24 shooting night as well so despite him not having the ancillary stats that he's had for the last um, couple of games now especially on the rebounding side of things his offense was 100% in play so I'm not going to fault you for taking him he's not necessarily my favorite guy I'm actually more interested in taking someone like a Kelly Olynyk, who's find, found himself getting back into the groove uh, played his regular allotment of minutes in the last Miami game which was a tougher defensive matchup still put up 32 DK points in that and just continued to show his well-rounded ability to stuff the stat sheet so at 5200 I think that price tag is going to steadily rise back to uh, what we were seeing slightly earlier in the season, kind of high 5,000s to low 6,000s there. So there is decent upside for his 5,200 price tag that I am going to be looking to take advantage of. And similarly, Jordan Clarkson works in the same way here for me as well. It's just one of those things where it's a great matchup for him. Uh, it's obviously a matchup in which he dominated in the 30th of December one where he put up 46 DK points in that one shot 8 of 12 9 of 10 from the free throw line he was really really attacking the rim in that one and more so he was also being the primary facilitator more so than uh, Mike Conley up in that despite him also getting eight assists in that it's just one of those things where I like this specific matchup for Jordan Clarkson where they get him the ball nice and early they like him going up against the dribble against some of these Sacramento uh, perimeter defenders who are <laughs> defenders really holding a name and this is with either Kevin Herter or Malik Monk playing as well which if they're not, then that actually might be a little bit tougher because Davion Mitchell is a better perimeter defender than both of them. But regardless, it's a solid matchup for him to be able to go ahead and get his offense going. And at 7,000, I don't see much trouble in him being able to go ahead and get that uh, 35 plus. Not necessarily the highest ceiling. It's not like he's going to drop a 50 bomb or anything for you. And the hope for that is probably a bit foolish. Regardless, a good matchup to be able to take advantage of him. And if you've got you know, some of those studs that we've been talking about with you know, Giannis, Sabonis, all those getting in there, you should be able to potentially fit in a Clarkson and a Linux uh, to be able to kind of round out your lineup as well. But that rounds out our lineups for the three-game slate that we are going into the Tuesday with. And just before we go off is, of course, the Thrive Fantasy side of things where we're looking at our props and really, there's two that stood out for me pretty strongly here. And the first one was Christoph Porzingis, 32.5 total for points and rebounds. I expect him to be under that in this game. And I said with Giannis back and just more uh, to be able to deal with on the defensive side of things as far as Washington is concerned, I expect that Porzingis is not going to be able to get the kind of uh, offensive output that we have been seeing in the last couple of games over there. 32.5 is a bit high for him, especially given the fact that he's likely not going to end up with you know much more than uh, five to six rebounds, in my opinion here. So for him to need to score in the high 20s, it's a bit tough given the, uh, given the Milwaukee defense being fully healthy coming into this game. So that is one. But on the other hand, Sabonis... 26 and a half points in assists for him to go over that. I do like that for him. One, given the fact that he's already shown that he can do it in the matchup. But other than that, just how bad Utah have been with dealing with the 
center position, the power forward position of the opponents, 29th in the league in that entire position. And for Sabonis, I expect him to get a lot of opportunities to be able to score. It's plain and simple. I kind of wish this was rebounds. That would have been perfect here. But obviously, from an assist perspective, I believe he'll get back to his 7-8 to eight that we've been seeing pretty consistently up until now. And for 100 cool points to get over his 26.5, I like that bet to be able to throw it there. That brings us to the end of our podcast here today. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at HAK underscore devil, where you can get in touch with what's going on. Again, a part of the Ask the Pro squad on our Discord. Get yourself signed up for that Sports Ethos DFS pass and give yourself all the opportunities to be able to get the latest updates, the latest insights, and also just get an idea of a community that is so incredibly involved with giving you the best DFS product for the year of 2023. So take advantage of that. We're looking forward to seeing you there. And good luck on the Tuesday. Happy New Year again to everyone. And let's take down some tournaments.